We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Gibney with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Bill the 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Tasker. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. Drink responsibly tonight. I'll be drinking with you. Jarrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid majors. This is Field the 68. After that. Hello and welcome to the Monday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. We are live here recapping a wild three-day weekend in the world of college basketball. I have Jarrell McNeil here with me. I have Tyler Hansborough here with me. Both of their programs, Marquette and North Carolina, are coming off of big wins this weekend. We are going to dive into that. We also got to talk about those top dogs, baby. UConn, number one in the country. We're going to find out definitively whether or not it was UConn or Purdue that deserved to be the number one team in all of college basketball here. First time since 2009, UConn has been number one in the country. Fun fact, they've won three national titles since the last time that they were ranked number one. That's how we do it up in the nutmeg state. Uh, before we get into all of that, before we get into a full Monday overreaction, guys, we got to talk about Marquette. We got to talk about the Big East. We got to talk about those Golden Eagles. And you know who I'm going to first on this one. Marquette 87. Villanova 74. Jarrell, it had to feel good to finally get that monkey off your back and get that W. Tyler Kolek, 21 points, 11 assists. Is he back? Is Marquette back? Um, I think it was a it was a great step in the right direction. And uh just just for the record, I won't say that they're back because I don't think they ever officially left. Uh obviously they hit a little bit of a <laughs> low answer. point throughout the course of a season. But uh, you know, they had they bounced back with a really big game tonight. And it was uh to be honest, it kind of felt a little bit like a must win game. Uh just being at home. They they've been so good at home throughout the course of the last couple of years. Uh that they that you know it couldn't have been possible for them to go back to back and lose uh, back to back home games. So uh they, they, we knew it was gonna be a feisty Villanova team coming in, especially with uh Justin Moore returning off an of injury, but those guys put it together. Uh TK TK uh got off to a little bit of a slow start, uh finished great, had a hell of a stat line at the end, man. But for me, uh I still felt like he he kinda he was a little bit uh a little bit out of it early on, at least offensively, shooting wise, just scoring the ball wise, but everything else was on point. But man, uh major shout out to uh Cam Jones, man, and Oso Igadaro. I thought those guys carried us uh, you know, pretty much start to finish as well, man. So those guys played great. Uh they were able to put together a couple of runs there in the second half and kind of put the game out of reach. And uh, you know, just for Marquette Nation, it's, uh, apparently the sky isn't falling. Uh, you know, we were able to get back on track here, get a, bi a big win versus Villanova, and uh, you know, some promising minutes as well too for some of the gun uh, some of the young guys. A Lowry and uh, Trey Norman played some good minutes there. Lowry hit two big threes to kind of get the lid off the basket for us uh, early on in that first half. But just a, a really good all around team team win, and uh, they were they were pretty impressive on the defensive end as well. Yeah, uh, Tyler has the last two weeks. Has that changed the way? That you view Marquette has it changed what you think their ceiling can be this year? Not for me personally. Uh, I'm a big believer in Tyler Kolick, uh, but you know, for me, I thought that Villanova was a sleeper team, and 
I, I felt like if they lost this game, um, it, it would be tough uh, to change their perception a lot of people have. And I think Villanova is going to be a team that's going to get better as the season goes on. And uh, I'm a big fan of the Eric Dixon, Dixon kid. Uh, I think he's a mismatch problem. And I know Iguodara had a big day. Uh, but those three players, Kolick, uh, Cam Jones, and Iguodara, uh, for Marquette, those those are three good players. And they can win you ball games. They're also more veteran players. And so I think uh, they're going to figure out how to turn it around. But for me, Novella Nova, uh, they have a – uh, pretty much a lot of new guys on their team, but they also have a pretty talented team. And I think they're a team that can compete with anybody if they play on the same page and really developing the team that I think they can be, uh, you know, like Justin Moore coming back off an of injury. I knew this game was going to be a battle. And, uh, you know, I, I had a hard time deciding pregame which team I actually thought was going to be better, Bellanova or Marquette. Uh, I'm talking about big, big picture when it comes to the Big East. And I thought Marquette did a good job of pulling away at the end, like a lot of veteran teams do, making plays uh, that win you the ball game late in the game, late in the second. And I thought that's what really separated Marquette. Yeah, Jarrell, the, the big thing is when you look at this Marquette team, when they're going to get 21-11 from Kolek and they're going to get 22 on 10 to 12 shooting from Cam Jones and they're going to get 18-7, five assists, three steals on nine of 11 shooting from Oso, uh, we kind of know – that that is that like that's the the cheat code for Marquette, right? When the the big three plays like the big three, they're going to win some games. My question still is, what happens when those three don't end up having a big game? Because inevitably, there's going to be a point in time when someone can slow down Cam Jones, and uh, when defenses can figure out that pick and roll with Kolek and Igadar. And we'll talk a little bit about Villanova's defense here in a second, which uh, spoiler alert was not really all that promising. But uh, my concern with Marquette is still that that the the supporting cast around that big three and they didn't really need to do anything today but that's where my concern is without chase ross without sean jones i think that kind of limits what you can be defensively with this group to me those are their two best on ball defenders without a doubt yeah absolutely uh and i and i would throw stevie mitchell in that too uh but uh mm -hmm. just overall just like what you spoke to rob uh and I've and I've kind of been saying it all year, and uh, you know, obviously I'm, I got my Marquette bias, but I, I've been saying it all year. The way that their team makeup is built is just the margin for error is just very thin. I mean, and it kind of just is what it is. So when you say what happens when those the, the big three don't play doesn't play well is you know they struggle, they struggle, and at times they kind of look like you know almost anybody in the Big East can beat them when those guys aren't on and aren't clicking. But at the same time, uh, nights like tonight when they're all kind of clicking on all cylinders like this and they play in the high 80s, getting close to 90 points, uh, it's not a whole lot of teams you could throw out there that I can say uh, I, I think can beat them. So, uh, I mean, I think they did a great job tonight early on. They got they switched, to, they switched in and out of zone early on in the first half. Uh, and some of it was out of necessity because I know some of those guys got in foul trouble. And uh, even though Ross and Sean Jones are out, I know Shaka isn't, didn't want to go too far into the bench. But uh, he kind of let Armstrong get in the rhythm a little bit. He got some really easy catch-and-shoot threes. A couple of those guys started getting hot a little bit. But, uh, when, you know, once they came out in that second half and they switched in and out from back and forth to that man, and man, they kind of shoot up some of those looks and things like that. But a big point, a big turning point in that game, too, that I just like to mention, uh, and it's just a small thing that I noticed, and they've done it throughout the course of the season. They activated point Oso, man. Uh, they put they made Oso the primary ball handler for a minute, and they ran a little Spanish pick and roll with the high ball screen, with the back screen to the shooter popping out with Cam and Kolick, man. And they got some really good looks doing an important part of that game, man. And Oso is so versatile, and he's such a good passer. With his size, man, uh, you know that's that's NBA type stuff. You don't see a lot, of, a ton of that type of stuff in college basketball. But uh, it was a nice little, it was a nice little wrinkle that they threw in tonight, and they helped them kind of get over the hump and get going offensively. Do you guys think Oso can play in the league, Tyler? Why don't you take that first? Do you think he he's an NBA guy? I know Shocker in the preseason has been uh, compared him quite a bit with us to to Draymond Green in terms of what he can provide. I don't know if he's quite that level. Draymond Green's probably a Hall of Famer, but. I think Oso's got a – there's a job for him in the league somewhere. Uh, well, the funny thing is, if we would ask this question about Draymond in college, 
Uh, we would have never <laughs> imagined him having the career that he has right now. I mean, uh, you know, is it was Draymond a NBA player when he's at Michigan State? That would be a question we'd be asking uh, before. Uh, but yeah, I think there's a spot. Uh, he has the size. He has athleticism. He has all the skills. Uh, obviously, I think he needs to develop more and uh, put put up bigger stats to really get the recognition. Uh, he's going to get that playing with Kolick and Cam Jones right now. Uh, but you know, if he keeps developing. Uh, and I will say for all big men, don't just run away from your back to the basket skills. And I, I still think there's a lot to be said and there's a lot of value in being able to score around the rim and create your own shot close to the rim. And I know it's not a, you know, it's something that NBA guys are looking for right now, but I do think there's value in that. Uh, I do think that he has the ability to, uh, you know, put the ball on the floor and, you know, be a, you know, a versatile big man, and he has that size. So, yes, I think there is a team uh, that will give him a chance and definitely a look. He has athleticism, he has a size, uh, and he has a skill. It's just, you know, who's going to take that shot? Yeah, Tyler, we already have a shirt in our merch store that says Make Basketball Physical Again, which is one of your great quotes. I think we need to put one in there that says something like, Chicks dig jump hooks. You know what I mean? Like, Chicks dig a drop step. <laughs> Right, I think that's what we need to get in there. That's a problem. Post moves aren't sexy it's anymore. Everyone wants to catch the mobs. I will wear the shirt. I will wear that shirt. <laughs> All right, uh, Jarrell, real quick on Villanova. Um, they came into this game tied for first place. Uh, well, they, in the loss column, they were four and one. The, a win would have kept them in first place with UConn uh, and Seton Hall in the Big East standings. I was concerned. You know, I, I think when you shoot 14 for 33 from three on the road in a building uh, like Pfizer Forum, you should be able to be in a position where you have a chance to win down the stretch. And they weren't because they gave up 87 points to a Marquette team that uh, had struggled offensively for the course of probably the last uh, week and a half to two weeks. So um, where do you stand on Villanova and uh, would you put them on fraud alert at this point? No, but they are running. They're running. Uh, I'm running a little thin on patience with them at times because I was really high on them, uh, sort of just like Ty, uh, Tyler said, coming into the year. Uh, I feel like they got all the parts. They got older guys. They got guys who uh, who transferred in. They also got to blend with the guys who have been there and understand the Nova culture. Uh, but, you know, just you see games like that, and it's just like, man, uh, they really struggle guarding sometimes in space. For some of those guys, I feel like, uh, and, and and that's going to be an issue for them uh, going forward. But at the same time, I will say this: they're going to get into the tournament, and they're going to be uh, there. I mean, they keep going up and down like this. They're going to be a really scary team because even more so because their seeding is going to be a lot lower. So they're going to be one of those teams that nobody kind of wants to run into early on in the tournament. But uh, I wouldn't put them on for all alert yet. They, they got they, they kind of started to clean it up a little bit as Big East play started. And I'm sure uh, with Justin Moore getting his feet back underneath him and legs back underneath him uh, these next coming games, that they'll, uh, they'll even it out, balance it out, and be good. They have such a – we say this over and over again, but they have such a weird resume. They beat North Carolina on a neutral, who we're going to talk about here in a second. They won at Creighton, which is a difficult thing to do, uh, and they were 4-1 and one in the Big East with losses to St. Joe's, Drexel, Kansas State, Penn, uh, and the like. We're going to know everything we need to know about them after they finish this run. Everyone's got an insane like five- or six-game stretch in the Big East. This is what uh, Villanova has coming up. UConn at home, at St. John's, at Butler, Marquette at home, Providence at home at Xavier, and then Seton Hall, who is currently leading the Big East uh, at home um, as well. Real quick, Trevor, you want to throw up that graphic for the Big East. Uh, let's make some predictions, guys. UConn, minus 120 to win the Big East regular season title. You can see Creighton plus 400 there. These odds are courtesy of our friends over at Bet and GM. Um, about two – yeah, uh, entering today and about two months ago, I said that Providence – uh, was my favorite pick and favorite long shot bet when they were plus 1,500 uh, early on this season. And obviously, without Bryce Hopkins, that conversation has changed. Seton Hall, that's the interesting one. Tyler, plus 5,000. That means you get 50 to 1 on your money. If you bet $100, you're going to make $5,000 for the team right now, tied for first place with UConn in the Big East. They already have a win over the Huskies. Can Seton Hall get it done? Are we going to get rich? Can you make Dagan Hughes a happy man after his Eagles just got blasted? in the NFL playoffs? 
No, I, I'm not buying Seton Hall finishing uh, one. I, I don't care what the odds are, uh, but uh, I don't know. I think UConn's too strong of a team, and I think uh, the Big East is a gauntlet. They're gonna they're gonna you know catch some losses here soon, but I mean they have a great home atmosphere. But I'm not buying them as as a top dog in the Big East. I know it's early. All right, Jarrell, Michigan picked up a win at home over Ohio State. Uh, they had just lost five in a row. Juwan Howard gets back on track. The, here's the big question I had. So we've seen the talent Michigan has, right? We've seen that they can be. They have struggled to put together two halves of basketball. Is it concerning to you that this Ohio State team that's got Roddy Gale, that's got Bruce Thornton, that's got Jameson Battle, goes on the road and struggles against a team that is clearly uh, not as connected as we thought they were going to be? Not su- not surprising. Um, what's more surprising is just the the deeper we get into the season is just how bad the Big Ten is, uh, kind of top to bottom. Um, I saw Michigan and Ohio State game earlier, and it was uh, it was another one of those knockdown drag out games that was hard to watch, man. And uh, obviously, Ohio State record is a little bit better coming into it. Uh, but they don't have a ton of quality wins either. So, I mean, I think the Big Ten is just down. At this point, I really don't know who's going to be who outside of Illinois and Purdue. So, Well, there is at least one good team in the Big Ten, Tyler. We do know that, and that is the Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about those Purdue Boilermakers and my UConn Huskies, and we're going to try to figure out who exactly is the best team in college basketball today. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched the daily is edited and produced by mike miller who spent more than two decades running nbc's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the division one coaching staffs the biggest names in college basketball media and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport for just 50 dollars for the year you get access to the same information that the insiders get And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up than the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the Field of 68.shop. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Welcome back. The Monday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. It is the end of a three-day weekend. It is snowing here in New Jersey. It is negative nine degrees in Chicago where Jarrell is. I think Tyler's just sitting there nice and warm. He's the only one of us is actually getting some uh, some normal weather right now, some tolerable weather right now. So uh, we are here to bring you the Monday overreactions. It's a three-day weekend. we got to dive all the way into it. And here's where we're going to start, gentlemen. Purdue is the number two team in the AP poll. UConn right now is the number one team in the AP poll. And if you listen to the people that are in my mentions on Twitter and the Purdue fans that are losing their minds, there is no question about it that Purdue should be the number one team over UConn for a couple of reasons, not the least of which are a win over Gonzaga, a win over Tennessee, a win over Marquette, a win over Xavier, a win over Alabama, a win over Arizona, a win over Illinois. That is what they argue. That is what they are saying, that the resume just does not match up. I'm not huge into talking about resumes right now, but I'm going to give the floor to you, Jarrell. Is it an overreaction to say that Purdue should be the number one team in the country and they were robbed by the AP voters? Uh, absolutely. I think they got it right. I think UConn should be one. And uh, even with even with the great res- resume that Purdue has, uh you know, this isn't the old school, you know, BCS computers, man. Uh, if you lose, you go down. I mean, it's really that simple. Uh, you usually drop, especially if the team's behind you win. So, uh, I mean, they drop, they drop one. Obviously, it's nothing that anybody's worried about. Purdue still looks looks like a, a well-oiled machine for the most part. Everybody still has them picked to make a deep run. But should they be number one this week starting off? No. They took an L, so. I think I think I think they got it right with the with the Huskies being the top. Tyler, you agree? There's no question. Uh, you take an L, you got to slip. And uh, if you watch UConn play, then you watch Purdue play. UConn's a much better team. They have a sophisticated offense. They have players, and also one of their better players is injured, and they're still doing their thing without him. And when they get him healthy, Klingon, when he comes back. They're going to dominate even more. Uh, I think they're well-coached, and also Purdue's well-coached too. Uh, And I like Purdue, and this isn't any shade towards Purdue, but they play in the Big Ten as well, which is we just talked talked about how weak that conference was. And uh, the Big East is just a different – it's a different zip code. And uh, there's a lot more quality teams and quality wins, and they're going to be tested more in the Big East. And UConn, to me, is a top dog in all college basketball right now. The top dogs. You hear that from the brain of Tyler Hansborough right there. Um, here's here's what I would say. I would think right now, in ter- if you're if you're comparing the resumes, right, and if you were to put together a bracket and you were going to put together your field of 68, which we will do starting next Monday on Fielding the 68, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time on our YouTube channel uh, that will be streaming. Um, it'll be twice a week, every Monday, every Friday, 5.30 p.m. We have the best bracketologists in the business. Make sure you go check that out. Uh, if you were put to, get to, to put together a bracket today, I think Purdue would clearly have to be the number one overall seed because of all those wins they have in that resume that they put together. What I would argue is that UConn is the team that should be the betting favorite to win the national title uh, as of today because of the fact that they have uh, the be- one of the best records in the sport and that they put together these wins. And we've seen them go out and uh, handle, sorry, Tyler, a North Carolina team fairly easily in Madison Square Garden. They've beaten Gonzaga in what was basically a road game, um, and they are 5-1 and one in the best conference in the sport. Uh, yes, they have not played any of the other title contenders uh, in the Big East just yet, but um, I think that they are probably the team with the highest ceiling because they've done most of this without – their full complement of players. Steph Castle missed most of the first month of the season. Donovan Klingon didn't really get healthy until he got into the middle of December, right before he injured his foot, and he has obviously missed the last five games. Uh, if you look at where they were, according to Ken Palm's adjusted defensive efficiency metrics, on the day that he was hurt against Seton Hall, they were 11th nationally in adjusted defensive efficiency. They were third in offense. They are still, as of today, third in offense. And they are now 44th in defense. If you look at some of these other metrics, uh, there's a site called BartTorvik.com that allows you to look at these efficiency numbers in a, in a specific time window. Since uh, Klingon went down, UConn is outside the top 100 in defensive efficiency. He is everything for them on the defensive end of the floor. He is the reason why they can survive with a team that doesn't have great 
perimeter defenders on it. So I do think that once UConn finally gets healthy and gets rolling, that's the team that you would want to see when they get uh, when things click in late February, when things click in March, when things click into the NCAA tournament. So that's the way that I would phrase. It. I think Purdue right now probably has the best overall resume. UConn is the best overall team and i'm not at all biased guys there's no bias there at all with anything that i'm saying all right uh, overreaction number two and tyler we are going to go to you first on this one because you clearly have no bias when talking about your uh your north carolina tar heels if they defend the way that they've been defending for the course of the last three to four weeks if they are actually a top 10 defense in the sport of college basketball which their numbers say that they are right now as of today then they are the most dangerous team in college basketball because if you're going to guard like that with an offense that could put up 100 on Tennessee that could put up 103 on Syracuse I don't want to see that team I don't want to see them when they get hot I don't want to see them when they have RJ Davis and Elliot Cadeau figuring everything out talk to me about your heels just how good are they I I think their season and how far they go in the tournament is going to depend on their defense and I think recently those numbers defensively I would say they started playing defense consistently hard after the UConn game. And I think when we lost to UConn, I think that's when the season really started to turn around. And another thing about this team is they started off, you know, the ACC play on three road games. They went to Pitt, they got that dub, and they went to Clemson, a tough place, who Clemson is a very underrated team, having a good year. They got the win there. And then they went into uh, an in-state rival, North Carolina State, and got the dub there. Now, three road wins for this team who, you know, over the years past, we've struggled on the road and we've done really well at home, but we're starting to take it on the road and that's growth. But also, uh, you know, this team playing defense and with the addition of Harrison Ingram and also the emergence of R.J. Davis and his scoring ability, give the ball to the guy, he can make a shot, he can get you a bucket anywhere. And also Elliot Cadeau, a kid who is – emerging and growing and has the ability to find teammates and pass the ball, which we've struggled with uh, in the past, I think uh, has been big for this team. But also Mondo continues to do his thing, uh, even though his scoring has dropped a little bit. I think that, uh, you know, him willing to accept kind of a lesser role offensively and get more guys involved has really helped him as well. But also don't – don't uh, you know? take away the fact that we have depth this year as well. Seth Trimble has been coming off the bench, playing unbelievable and making winning plays. Even if he's not scoring, he's coming in there to play defense and get stops, and uh, that's very encouraging. But this team, I-, I think I can say this, I think they have the p- potential to get to the Final Four. Once you get to the Final Four, you know, anything can happen. And uh, I haven't been that confident. Uh, about that, you know, saying that UNC is a Final Four team until this point. And I think they've proven that recently, especially with the road wins and, the, you know, how, how handily they beat Syracuse over the weekend. Jarrell, I'll let you get in here in one second. I want to follow up with one thing on you, though, Tyler. You mentioned um, that Armando's taking a little bit of a lesser role on the offensive end. You kind of lived through that too a little bit right in 2008 you were the national player of the year you come back in 2009 mm-hmm. and your numbers across the board are a little bit down now i know uh, you i think you had yeah. a knee something going you had an injury at the start of the year but um if you go back and you watch it like you, you kind of you let the game I, I don't know if you let the game come to you more but it seemed like you were mm-hmm. that it was more i don't want to say a team effort but you were in the same boat as Mondo where it wasn't, all right, let's throw in the ball every single time, every single time, every single time. It seems like winning was more important to you, and it feels like right now Armando was more uh, winning is more important to him. You think that's fair? Yeah, well, for me, uh, Ty Lawson, he had an unbelievable streak uh, uh, my senior year. I think he was actually hurt my junior year, so I had to take on a little bit of, bit of a bigger role. But I, I will say, you know, Ty Lawson had an unbelievable second half of the year my senior year. Uh, you know, the way he was playing. Then when we got to the tournament, Wayne Ellington kind of went off, and uh, he was a player that relied on heavily. heavily. But Armando, to me, uh, I think the offense is more fluid this year because we struggled from outside shooting last year, and it just seemed like we just felt like we had to force-feed Mondo the ball, and we couldn't figure out how to get him the ball, uh, you know, set – offensive play and it was just pass the ball around the perimeter around the perimeter you know why the defense just 
you know, put three or four bodies on Mondo. And it was kind of brutal to watch at times. But this this year the team is running uh, and uh, they're getting, you know, much easier buckets. But also the outside shooting uh, from Harrison Ingram has really opened up things. And also RJ's having a much better uh, year. So it is similar uh, to my senior year where you're having guys, you know, I would say Ty Lawson, you look at RJ, you know, those are type of guys that are having a good year. So my senior year, Ty had a great year this year. RJ's kind of going off. There's a lot of scoring going through that. And also Harrison Ingram's having an unbelievable year uh, and scoring. So, that, you know, it's always a good thing when you have multiple options offensively. Jarrell, what do you make of uh, North Carolina here? You can get your take in here. We haven't let you talk for like five minutes. Oh, it's all good. Look, y'all hit it, y'all hit it spot on, so I don't have a whole lot to say, Tyler, pretty much covered everything so uh but no I'm, I'm definitely all in on unc uh my only early concerns with them watching them play was on the defensive end and uh it, it seems like they, these guys are really bought in and they kind of they're shoring that up and uh right now they're taking they're kicking ass and taking names so uh i mean i think they got all the pieces there they're definitely they definitely have title upside i think they have the inside out combo rj davis who i think is probably one of the best guards in the country if not the best and Baycott, who who has been one of the best uh interior players for the last couple years in the nation just that dynamic duo and all and, and getting all the pieces around those guys with ingram and cormac ryan and Cado coming off the bench uh you know seth trimble those guys so i mean i mean they got all the pieces there they just got to all stay bought in and continue to to uh pound the rock on the defensive end and they'll have a shot at a at a final four this year for sure what if you had to say that there was something you were concerned about with them like what is the the biggest issue that you see with them having a chance to win a title I think the biggest thing is that is, is somewhat guarding ball screens in space. If, if, if I had to pick one, uh, and that's something that uh, I think, and to be honest, Baycott has gotten better at it. Uh, I'm obviously mm -hmm. not inside the program, so it's kind of outside looking in. Tyler may know better than me, but it looks it looks like he trimmed down or slimmed down a little bit. Uh, he he moved. He looked like he he's moving a lot better and uh in, in a little bit better conditioning too. So uh you know that, that that's that's going a long way for them helping them in ball screen pick and roll situations. But for the most part, it's all on the defensive end. Yeah, I think that Mondo. The biggest thing is that he uh, he told Jeff last year that he didn't spend the off season trying to get his ankle healthy. Remember, he sprained his ankle pretty bad in the in the yep. tournament twice, and Turning, he didn't yep. give it a chance to get healthy because he had to do all these different nil kind of appearances stuff. But uh, listen, we're gonna head to a quick break. On the other side, we're gonna have to talk about the Illini. We're gonna dive into it. That conversation has to happen. As you guys know by now, we've partnered. With BetMGM this season, we'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. Welcome back. The Wednesday, I'm sorry, the Monday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. We are diving into Monday overreactions. I got Jarrell McNeil. I got Tyler Hansborough. My name is Rob Doster. Dagan Hughes has finally been put out of his misery. The Eagle season is over. <laughs> College basketball is here in the state of Pennsylvania. RIP Steelers, RIP Eagles. You know who's off and rolling? 
Auburn. Here's overreaction number three, guys. Auburn and not Kentucky and not Tennessee and not Alabama and not anybody else in that conference. It's Auburn that is the best team in that league. Jarrell, where do you stand? So I don't think this is an overreaction. I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's not an overreaction because I definitely think Auburn is a top three team uh, in the SEC um, without a doubt. But I still, I, find, I I just can't, I can't put, I can't put anybody over Kentucky right now, man. Uh, just the roster, the depth, the talent. My God, they got a, a ton of good players, and they got. Uh, NBA guys that's, that they rolling in off the bench and you just kind of never know where it hits you. Oh, so I wouldn't call it an overreaction. And Auburn is a damn good team. And, you know, I might be wrong. They might end up taking the title as well, too, because they got a little bit better combination with some experienced guys as well, too. But, uh, you know, they get after you. I love the way uh, Coach Pearl draws it up, man. They get after you, nonstop pressure, and they play hard, hard as hard as they possibly can every time you run into them. So you kind of know what you're going to get. And those guys seem to be clicking on all cylinders right now. Tyler, are you going to make friends with the Kentucky fans here? Overreaction? I don't Over, think. What do you think? Listen, it's not an overreaction. <laughs> I, I think uh, Kentucky has the potential to – to win a title this year, but they're full of young guys and they're going to have to go on the road. Can they win on the road? Auburn has a great home atmosphere. Uh, there's no reason that they can't win the SEC. Uh, I like Broom. I think he's good. And, you know, I think, you know, Pearl's a great coach. He plays defense. They get out and pressure people. But also I like Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State's a team that's kind of going underrated and, uh, you know, they have the potential as well. Uh, no, so I think Auburn, you know, they could get it done as well. I think my favorite thing on this show is that every team we talk about, Tyler makes sure to shout out the big guy on, on their roster. <laughs> Make jump hook sexy again, man. Bring it back. Chick stick the jump hook. Um, so I look, I, I I think Auburn is the best team, uh, best team in the SEC because of what they can do defensively, because of the depth that they have, because it's just one of these things where it's wave after wave after wave after wave of guy that's going to play the same way. Uh, I, I I think that. Robert Dillingham and, and DJ Wagner and Reed Shepard and these freshmen will be able to handle Katie Johnson coming at them. Uh, but I don't know if they'll be able to handle Katie Johnson coming at them. Shout out to Terrence Oglesby. He says that Katie Johnson runs on nightmare fuel. Uh, and that is uh, <laughs> what you are going to be dealing with when you have to see him uh, squaring off with you. The last thing that I want to do here uh, real quick, just talking about the SEC, we got to give a shout out to Dalton Connect in Tennessee. Uh, I do think that if there is one guy in that league that I would say, okay, look, he can carry his team to a championship if he needs to, it is uh, Dalton Connect. And uh, real quick while um, while we are talking about this, guys, uh, I just do want to mention uh, Vaulted. Vaulted is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It is a place you can store your predictions forever. And by using the Vaulted Challenge feature, you can prove you're smarter than your friends. So go download the Vaulted app. That's V-L-T-E-D to challenge your friends, throw your predictions, and join daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. You got 10 seconds each. Jarrell, do you agree with me? Do you accept my challenge? I'm saying Auburn's going to win the SEC. Who you got? I'm going Kentucky. I do not accept the challenge. Tyler, who you got? Oh, man, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Uh, I'm going to go Kentucky as well. <laughs> Tyler did not want to, well, did not look, want to do that. that. <laughs> yeah, he did not want to do that, but that is an absolutely perfect segue because we can go from it looks like Tyler's made nice with all the Kentucky fans now, and now we're going to go to the other fan base that considers him uh, public enemy number one. Here is overreaction number four: Illinois isn't a fringe NCAA tournament team without Terrence Shannon. They are an NIT team without Terrence Shannon available. Tyler. Talk to me about the Illini. They lost at home to one of the worst road teams in college basketball on Sunday in Maryland. Are you concerned about Illinois? Where do you stand here? Is it an overreaction to say that they are headed to the NIT? <laughs> uh, it's not. And um, I'm sorry, Illinois fans. I, I'm not sold on you guys' <laughs> team. I, I do believe that uh, – Colvin Hawkins, listen, he is a great player. Uh, I think he does a lot of things, but I don't think he has a surrounding cast without outside of Terrence Shannon. Terrence Shannon, and uh, you know, I think losing a guy like that who is 
probably having an all American type year, uh, you know, that's going to, that's not sustainable. And, you know, I, I don't think that the big 10 is, uh, you know, a very challenging conference. So I do think they'll get some wins, uh, but overall picture, uh, I do not see them doing much if they do make it into the tournament. Uh, now they can prove me wrong and use this as fuel, but I, I'm just not a big believer in them. And also their style of play isn't really, you know, something that I would tune in and watch to. It's not really aesthetically pleasing uh, as somebody who likes to watch, you know, basketball a lot. I, you know, I don't, I don't really think, you know, ISOs and, you know, not sharing the ball is good quality basketball, in my opinion. I, I see a lot of that when I watch Illinois. Yeah, we got to get you watching uh, watching Dane Danger, the king of booty ball. Jarrell, what do you make of uh, Illinois? <laughs> you know, I think um, I think they're going to be on a cusp. Obviously, they just lost a major, uh, a, a, a bad loss at home to a team that's struggling on the road, like you said, Maryland. But uh, – Look, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to find a way to piece together a couple more quality. I would say home wins because I don't know how many of them they, they're actually gonna have the opportunity to get anyway on the road. But they're they're gonna need to beat another solid team or two in their conference uh, to ensure that they get in. Uh, and I, obviously, we don't know exactly what's gonna happen with Terrence Shannon, but man. It uh it changes it changes the dynamic of that team greatly, man. He's such a good player. So is it a possibility? Absolutely. I wouldn't call it an overreaction for sure. It's a possibility that they kind of that they kind of uh you know they hit a skid here and they start to struggle a little bit and uh, they drop some games. And to be honest with you, it, you don't have a ton of games this year in the Big Ten that uh that you can afford to just lose like because because all, all you know they're gonna they're gonna be bad losses gonna be some bad losses in there because they're not a ton of quality good teams in the big 10 this year so outside of purdue who they already played once uh you know where does the quality come in that you know you're gonna have a lot of games where it's gonna be pressure like you know this team isn't the best team but you know we can't lose to them at home otherwise they're gonna be in a lot of trouble yeah the the one thing that i'll say is that i don't think they've banked enough great wins to be able to withstand uh a like a 500 kind of um kind of season in the big 10 especially if it's going to be one of those things where the committee says well when you beat florida atlantic and you won at rutgers you had terrence shannon and now he's not there and this that and the third um if the tournament started today they were very i think they would very clearly be in uh, and probably with a with a pretty decent seed but it's about what happens the rest of the year um they don't get Wisconsin until March 2nd. That game is on the road. And when they play Purdue again at home, that is not going to be until March 5th. So hopefully they can figure something out there. Uh, it sounds like there's still a chance that, that Terrence Shannon could end up coming back. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know uh, what's going on with that legal situation. The only thing that I'll just add here, uh, I want to read you guys a quote that came from Rick Pitino um, after St. John's lost by a point uh, at Creighton. He said, I don't feel good. When we lose, I effing hate the world, just so you understand that. I don't feel good. I've never felt good with a loss. Uh, I don't believe in those valiant efforts on the road. I feel like I want to kill myself, jump in the cold, and die of frostbite. Uh, that seems like a little bit of a different attitude that uh, than Illinois fans had after um, keeping it close with uh, Purdue on the road. So um, that's from a guy that is a champion. You've heard Tyler Hansborough hate on Illinois for that attitude for a champion. And we're just kidding, Illinois fans. Look, we were trolling you guys. Hopefully uh, you got a little bit of a laugh at that. All right. My third overreaction for the segment, the fifth one for the night, Texas Tech. Are they the most underrated team in college basketball today? Jarrell, let's go to you first on that one. I'm going to say overreaction. And uh, and it's another one that's a, another really good team who has been playing well, especially the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I got another team in mind where I feel like they might need a little bit of pub. That they, I, I think they're going to they're gonna kind of sneak up on some people. Uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, they're sitting at 14-2 and two right now with their two losses being at Alabama, which uh, a game, you kind of throw that one away. They got throttled uh, eventually in that game. And then the other game is uh, at Clemson, and I think they ended up losing that game by like five or six points. It was a single-digit loss, man. But uh, they got a pretty good team. Uh, Michi Johnson, B.J. Mack, those guys are really good players. And, uh, you know, they got – listen to this. They have nine guys on their roster who average 10 minutes or more a game. 
Uh, so they have depth. They're not the biggest team in the world, but they got good collective size. They got a ton of guys that are around between six two, six three, and like six seven or six eight. So and uh, you know that, that allows them to kind of come at people in waves. They're a stingy defensive team, and I think they're uh, they kind of haven't gotten their just due yet. I think they're a pretty good team this year. Tyler, I don't think it's an overreaction, uh, but for me right now. There's another team that comes to mind, and uh, I think we've had a lot of expectations. But I still believe in Creighton, and I, I know they've had some losses, uh, but they still have really good quality players. I'm a big fan of Ryan Kalkbrenner. I think he's one of the best defensive bigs in the country. He's also more of a experienced player. And also, they do have some uh, some really good players on their team, and they have – tournament experience and I'm a big believer in this team uh, I know they can score offensively and do a lot of different things uh, but I do think when it's all said and done I think Creighton will develop into a team that we're talking about come March and a team that possibly could be a sleeper team for the final four for me yeah I think Texas Tech definitely deserves to be in the underrated category. They're not ranked in the AP poll today. Uh, we're going to find out everything we need to know about them. Over the next uh, six games, they have Houston on the road, BYU at home, Oklahoma on the road, TCU on the road, Tyler, your boy, Wes Miller, Cincinnati at home, and Baylor on the road in their next six. That is just a ridiculous schedule. And then after they play UCF, then it's Kansas at home, Iowa State on the road. Like, it's the Big 12, man. It's absolutely insane. Um, the only other team that I think deserves to be in that conversation as well, and look, I really like Texas Tech. I, I, I think um, you know, Joe Tucson those guys are having a really good year. I would put TCU in that conversation as well because if uh, the officials could have made a call that made sense to any basketball watcher on the planet at the end of that uh that Kansas TCU game in Fall Gallon Fieldhouse when they gave um, Ernest Uday a uh, a flagrant one then TCU would be sitting here at 3 and 0 in the Big 12 with a win at Kansas a win over Oklahoma and a win over Houston who was the number 2 team in the country and who is still number 1 on Ken Palm Drell I know you were fired up after that uh flagrant one foul call um you were on the show with us on Saturday night you said you would have gotten probably tossed out of the game Tyler I know how you would feel sure. uh you want to make basketball physical again so I don't think flagrant fouls exist in Tyler Hansbro's uh, ideal world of <laughs> of college basketball so uh listen we we got to hit a break here on the other side we're going to talk about the Big East versus the Big 12, and I'm going to tell you why the Big East is actually the best conference in college basketball. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched. The Daily is edited and produced by Mike Miller, who spent more than two decades running NBC's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the Division One coaching staffs, the biggest names in college basketball media, and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport. For just $50 for the year, you get access to the same information that the insiders get. And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up and the latest from the field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the field of 68.shop. Welcome back. Field of 68 After Dark. It is Monday night. My name is Rob Doster. I have Jerome McNeil with me. I have Tyler Hansborough with me. And we are overreacting to everything that we saw in college basketball over the weekend and also including the last week. So here's, uh, here's where I want to start with this, guys. Um, the Big East. We've seen Seton Hall 
climb up to the top of the conference. We've seen St. John's look like a real threat to win the league. We know how good UConn is. We know how good that Creighton is now that they've figured some things out. Villanova, who we had all written off, they're still sitting there at 4-2 and two in the conference. I know Tyler loves Creighton. Here's my hot take. Here's my overreaction. It is the Big East, not the Big 12, that is actually the best conference in college basketball. Jarrell, you are a Big East guy. You got that Marquette hat on right now. You are sitting in a city where it is negative nine degrees and there is nothing more Big East than negative nine degrees outside. <laughs> Am I right here? Back me up. Come on. The Big East is better than the Big 12. What do you say? It's, it's spot on. It's, um, it's, the best, it's the best basketball conference in the country. And it's because the Big East has put priority on basketball, which is cool to see, man. And uh, I think it's really paying off for them. Obviously, uh, there are some other really good conferences. The Big 12 is really good, but a lot of these conferences this year are kind of top heavy. And as we, as you see uh, early on, just throughout the Big East play, you kind of it's a gauntlet, man. You don't know what's going to happen on a night to night basis. Uh, you know, when you're going in, and you got to go play Seton Hall at Seton Hall or go play uh, St. John's at the small gym and you're not at the guard, those type of things. Man, those games are never easy. All of these teams have something to fight for. They all, we have a ton of teams that are kind of like in the balance right now, fringe NCAA tournament teams. So they're all, everybody's looking for that next statement win. And then you got the upper echelon teams, the Yukons, the Cradens, the Marquettes. Uh, and now the St. John's even who got the number next to their name. So those opportunities are going to be out there, man. But it's really cool to see. It's uh, I think it's a no-brainer. I think the Big East is hands down the best conference uh, in the country this year. Tyler? I used to not like all the Big East love. And uh, I used to find ways <laughs> to kind of hate on the Big East because you guys talk so much about how good of a basketball conference you are. Uh, but you guys are the best basketball conference in the country this year, and I can't argue with that. Uh, you know, I think there's multiple teams in the Big East when I look at it who can make runs. I, I, I believe in Marquette, and I think Villanova could be one of those teams as well. They're sneaky. They can beat teams. Uh, they have players. Uh, but also Creighton is a team who I th I believe in, and also I do think Creighton will make a deep tournament run. Uh, but also UConn, I consider UConn the best team in the country. I love the way they play. I don't think there's a harder playing team out there than UConn. Um, but uh, and also St. John's. I mean, you know, you can't ever count uh, a Rick Pitino team out the way they play. Uh, so it is intriguing to me. And if I had to pick a conference to watch exclusively for the year it would be uh the big east uh and i'm taking that you know i obviously i would pick the acc if i wasn't so tied to my tar heels but the big east is is the best this year i mean there's a lot of quality teams in there and i, I also believe there are multiple teams in the big east that can make the final four when i look at the big 12 you know i think houston has a shot i think kansas has a shot uh outside of that you know, I think, uh, you know, there's teams in there that can make runs, but I'm not sold on those teams, and I'm not as confident as I am in some of the teams in the Big East. All right, so I think that the the chat in general is probably going to say that I'm a homer when I say that I, I think I tend to lean towards the Big East here when it comes to the best conference in the sport. Um, I think the teams at the top are better than the teams at the top of the Big 12 uh, because I'm not as high on Kansas as some people are. I'm not, not as high on Houston as some people are. I do think that a lot of the teams in the middle are uh, – the metrics are inflated. You know, I'm not buying BYU as the 11th best team in college basketball – uh, the way that Ken Palm has them ranked. And I'm not sure I'm even ready to buy Oklahoma as a top 25 team at this point. Um, I'm not buying Texas as the number 42 team in college basketball. And I think when you look at the bottom of the league, uh, as bad as DePaul is and as much uh, trouble as Georgetown is going to have winning this year, I think there are more teams at the bottom of the Big 12 that are uh, I don't want to say pushovers, but that that aren't going to be as competitive as as what you see in the bottom of the Big East. So um, I think I would tend to lean towards there. But I'll tell you what, man, the fact that we're even having this conversation tells you how good um, the the improvement of the Big East, no matter where uh, where you lie in this uh, conversation. Um, the one thing I would say as well is Texas Tech, Iowa State, TCU. Uh, I kind of want to see where they end up shaking out as the season. Uh, continues to progress because if they're as good as 
you know, they've looked in, in certain instances this season, then this might end up being a uh, a silly conversation that we are having at this point. All right. Speaking of the Big 12, uh, one more overreaction regarding this conference. Kansas is the top 10 team that is most likely to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament this year. Obviously, we know uh, some of the question marks regarding the fifth man on that roster. I said this stat the other day. Um, I don't know if you guys heard it, but uh, a friend of mine, Evan Miyakawa, who runs the, the analytics site, evanmaya.com, rated the fifth starter in every team in college basketball, and Kansas has the 64th best Fifth, fifth man in the sport of college basketball. That is El Marco Jackson. I said it was Nick Timberlake the other day. Uh, Jarrell, are you with me? Is Kansas the most likely AP top 10 team to get beat in the first round of the NCAA tournament? Or is that an overreaction? No, nah, nah, that's an overreaction for sure. Um, now, they might get beat early. It might be the first weekend. I just don't think it's going to be the first round uh, just because they've, <laughs> they've done their work so early. So uh, they should get a pretty decent seed, and, and the Big 12 isn't looking great right now. So I don't see a whole lot of teams that are going to be out there to challenge them uh, going throughout the course of this uh, conference season. But um, I was I would probably say, and I guess it, it, it would be cheating to kind of say Illinois, right? But uh, I, I, would, I, I would say Tennessee. I would say Tennessee. Tyler, what do you got? That was my team, uh, Tennessee. That's oh, my I bad, picked. Tyler. Hey, Pete, <laughs> hey, you're good. You're good. I, uh, hey, great minds think alike. Um, yeah. Listen, uh, I do think that Tennessee struggles scoring outside of uh, Dalton Connect. Uh, I know Zakai Ziegler is playing much better, and he's starting to find his rhythm, uh, you know, coming back from the ACL. But I think this team, you know – I think they're going to have issues scoring. And when you get to the tournament, you're not playing on your home court. Uh, I know Dalton Connect can get extremely hot. I saw him light us up in the Smith Center, uh, but there was nobody else on the team that even gave him much else. And so I think they're going to have issues scoring uh, when it comes to the tournament. So I, I would say that they're the most vulnerable team. And uh, your first-round knockout with Kansas is absurd. Uh, I think Kansas is unbelievable. And I know they probably have the – the fifth worst starter in all of college basketball or whatever the analytics say, <laughs> I will tell you they're four starters, probably the four, one of the four best starters in college basketball right now. Uh, and also they have the best coach in college basketball, Bill Self. Well, look, the one thing I will say is I'm very impressed. Tyler, Tyler went on a, uh, a whole speech about Kansas, not one Hunter Dickinson mentioned. That's the biggest upset that we've seen on the field of 68 <laughs> after dark in years. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i don't know where i came up with that one i'm gonna blame that one on uh, uh edibles are now legal in new jersey so i'm gonna go ahead and, and blame it on that the one thing i will say is you can see the graphic right here um fog warning yeah we got a t-shirt for uh, a fog warning t-shirt uh kansas is much better at home than they are on the road and when you get them in a neutral site venue that is something that i you know i, I might be a little bit concerned about and you know i just said I know I just said that the Big East is better than the Big 12, but I will be very curious to see what happens as they go through the gauntlet that is the Big 12 and they head to some of these road environments, uh, you know, like um, Iowa State and, and, and places like Texas Tech that can get really, really loud. Uh, Baylor's got a really fun new home court environment as well. All right, let's get into the toasts of the night. Uh, what we do every night is we uh, we toast someone to celebrate the performance that they had during that day of college basketball. So, Jarrell, I'll go to you first in this one. I think I know where you're going to go for your toast of the night here. It, yeah, it's, it's, it shouldn't be that hard. It might surprise you a little bit, and I'll say this. My, my toast of the night, obviously, I'm keeping with the Marquette tradition rolling here with the big win today, but I'm going with, uh, I'm going with Cam Jones. Cam Jones, um, look. And I know you guys on the show love him a ton. I love him. The the nation loves him. TK gets so much great press, man. And it's so it's he's well deserving of it all. But man, Cam kind of gets thrown under the bus with some of this shit a little bit, man. And he's having one of the best years I've seen uh, a Marquette Garden having some time here too, man. And to be honest with you, these last couple games, even with TK, has been struggling. Cam has been going off. He's been keeping us ga- keeping us in games. He's been carrying us, man. So uh, he, he's doing he's doing a hell of a job. He had a big game tonight with twenty two point six boards, four assists. So that's an easy one for me. Shout out to Cam. Keep getting buckets, my boy. 
Cam Jones, that is the Field of 68 fashion correspondent, Cam Jones. Tyler, who you got? Who's your toast of the night? I'm going to toast to the whole Fab Five. I saw there in the building tonight. Also, they got the dub. But also, I'm going to give another toast out to Baker Mayfield, uh, comeback quarterback of the year, smacked nice. the Eagles. Sorry, Dagan, just absolutely railroaded you guys. Uh, so those are my toast. All right, so I'm going to go uh, off the board. A little cheers to, to Baker Mayfield. Cheers to the Fab Five. I'm going to go off the board a little bit. I'm going to go with Sean Duragordon, who uh, had 36 points and 12 boards for Siena tonight, a road win uh, at Niagara. Siena's had a rough season. They came into this game 2-13 and 13 overall. Uh, they were one of the, uh, the the 13 teams in the bottom of Kempom. They were ranked 349th nationally. Sean got eligible um when uh december 19th when when all of the two-time transfers are eligible and he has not scored less than 23 points in the game this season through six games he's averaging 25 and nine boards cheers to him cheers to you guys cheers to the field of 68 after dark head over to stadium the app and the youtube channel 